This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. You're, 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 tuned, you're tuned into It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, the top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagada at Odyssey Sports Podcast. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Lindsey? Not too bad. It's Tuesday. And I don't know what it feels like in Pittsburgh right now because I know you're recording there. That's where you live. Cold. And it's freezing. Yeah. That that part's not great. I hate the cold. <laughs> it's a, oh, man. It's the thing is we get to October, we get to November, and everyone's like, oh man, it's so cold. And that's what it is every year. It's going to be 80 degrees for kickoff on Sunday, which makes zero sense. But today it could snow. Yeah, the Midwest uh, Rust Belt winters, uh, fall. I don't know. I, I've never, I feel like the idea of fall is much better than it actually is because it's not consistent enough. Everybody thinks of the 60-degree weather and the crisp air. What I remember is like 35 and there's snowfall in October at some point. We don't, we don't like that. But no, fall's still underrated. Fall's my favorite season when it's 60 degrees and not 40. That's just um, the debate of the day because, yeah, I'm, I'm a summer guy. I, I like the heat. Okay. you. I, I like it for the first month and then I'm done. The thing <laughs> is, and I'm not going to make this off topic, but I moved into a new place about two months ago and I just turned the heat on for the first time because I wanted to see what it was like. It just It would warm up really fast. And it started to smell like smoke. So I turned it off really fast. Pretty sure I should have probably kept it on so to see if it would work or not. But I was not about a fire before we recorded this podcast. So yeah, it's not a video podcast. It wouldn't be as entertaining. Smoke behind me. (laughs) That would be more entertaining than just hearing like a a scream and an oh no. And then the computer goes off and I just got a riff for an hour. It's so bad. So who knows if I'm going to be able to turn heat on this winter. No, I'll get that looked at. Um, But we'll move on. And we obviously talked a lot about the game on Sunday. It was a huge win for the Bengals. If they would have lost, 2-1-4 would be a dark little hole. I want to start with the offensive line because you've had a time to go back, watch the tape. And, you know, you said, I feel like it was Lyle Collins' best game of the season. What did you feel about the offensive line after watching some more tape? Easily his best game of the season because the first thing I think of is he was falling down 70% of the time before this. I think only like five times this week, which is still a lot for a guy, but, you know, it is way down. Like, I don't know. If you watched a game from weeks one through five and you just went at at the end, you just pause and you just look to see if Collins is on the ground. Money is he probably was. This week, not often. So that's the first thing. And then I also think 
he just looked really good. And then the first half specifically, I don't know if things started to catch up to him in the second half. He was a little bit worse then as the game went on. But in the first half, I thought that was like peak Collins stuff. I know some of it's not against the greatest competition. Uh, number 90, don't know how to pronounce his name, Passanoa or something like that, uh, dominated that guy. He hit him with a snatch trap, which is when you hit their hands as they try to push into you so that they fall down. Got him thrown onto the ground on another pass play. Uh, did a great job driving these guys in the run game. He got Cam Jordan a few times and threw him onto his face. It was like, whew. This is the Lyle Collins that we were talking about, that we paid for, that was like an underrated great signing by the Bengals. And we didn't see that uh, before this game. I don't think you could say that about the second half, but the second half wasn't abysmal either. It was more so, uh, so, you know, like it felt like the steam ran down or, you know, maybe his back, it was good for the first half, but he tweaked something, but not bad. Just like, a, I don't know. I try to come up with something because the second half, it just didn't hold up as long. Like the first half that was dominant, all pro law Collins. The second half was kind of, I don't know. He was fine. You know, there were plays he gave up, plays he was still able to do something good on, but mm, there were just mishaps. The rest of the offensive line, it's honestly something I feel like we really haven't talked a lot about. He's fun on social media when we hear him like the up and Ted Harris, and he was voted a captain before the season started. So obviously he's a big impact leader guy in the locker room really fast on this team because he was a free agent signing. And you can already tell how much the offensive line and just this offensive offense overall likes him. What does that Ted Karras and Joe Burrow connection looked like working with him, obviously having a new center this season? I think it's been good. I don't think we've seen a real miss snap a little bit off type stuff once in a while from shotgun that just happens. And it's been nothing that held up the play, but we haven't seen one go over his head or under his feet. Uh, so that's the first thing you look for. Just is he hitting the, is he hitting the snaps? Good. I think he has been other than that. He's been solid. Like every game you watch Karis, I feel like it ranges from fine to solid level play. He doesn't have a bad game. He also doesn't, dominate out there but he's consistently solid he looks like he does a lot of communication he's a leader there's a lot of good qualities with ted karras that make him a positive signing for the team and uh just in general just somebody you like to watch because he does a good job at center i know we don't talk about him enough because it's almost like when a guy's just solid all the time it's kind of like you forget about it and i guess that's also to some people, it's the best offensive lineman to have because that's the guy you're not hearing about. We'll move over to talk about Jonah Williams. And we wanted to mention him last week, just kind of how tough the guy is when he comes back in there and he talks about his whole kneecap getting popped in and out, which is unbelievable to me in the middle of an NFL game, goes back out there. I didn't know if he was going to play on Sunday, guts it out. What's Jonah? Look, what did Jonah look like on Sunday? So I've, I'm kind of upset just because um, he got injured right as he was having like his career, not career, but season best game. So it's like, oh, you really wish. And he continued that game and finished it out and he played really well. So you think even there's some hope for next week, he looked a little bit injured. It just felt like once in a while he would try to lock down and try to clamp up anchor in against these 300 pound pass rushers. And then like, I don't know if it was the knee wasn't able to hold back enough and he had to keep moving back or something like that. Uh, once 
there was a time he tried to push off of one of his legs and look like he didn't get as much movement as he normally was able to, at least he was able to in week five. So just to me, it was almost, uh, I don't want to say disappointing because I'm really happy. And um, I don't know. I, I think it's a gutsy effort to go out there a week after your kneecap gets dislocated and to still put up a solid fine level. I'd say fine, not solid on the, my level scale of for how that offensive line would play. <laughs> not bad, fine, um, but above what the replacements would have given. You know, to go out there and still give it your all, everything with a dislocated kneecap the last week, and I assume pain, swelling, even with the smelling salts and injections that he was probably able to get, just gutsy performance and uh, didn't play his best, but he didn't play poorly either. I mean, when you say fine, if you look in the Bengals dictionary for fine, when it comes to offensive line, that's elite. That's huge. <laughs> I mean, you, you take that from what we have seen uh, plenty of times for the last five to six years since after the 2015 season. A guy's name we don't hear about, and that's always a great thing when you think of an offensive line, is Alex Kappa. How do you feel about Alex so far this season? Best offensive lineman on the team. That's just what I think of is just he's had a couple games that were below the threshold I'd like to see, but he was awesome again this week. He's been awesome in the first two weeks. The middle three there that I haven't mentioned, there was good and bad, uh, but overall, maybe not giving the consistency of Karras is always solid, but when he plays well, he plays – best offensive lineman on the team well he's moving guys in the run game and taking where they don't want to go he's putting guys on their back he's pitching shutouts in the past game just overall i thought he was absolutely awesome in the game against the saints and he'll need to be again because well i think that the falcons exterior pass rushers Arnold Ebiketti and whoever else they're throwing out there. Uh, is Marlon Davidson still on that team? I don't know. That feels like a, a <laughs> Charles Barkley in honor of the NBA coming back and <laughs> inside the NBA, the who he play for moment. That's kind of mine where I'm like, Marlon Davidson, is that a Falcon? We're going to find out this week. I just found out Chris Harris plays for the Saints last week. I'm so glad you said that. Because everybody wanted to talk about the Saints defense. And I'm like, look, they're just they're not guys just off the street. And maybe they're older. Maybe they're not as great anymore. And then they mentioned his name. And I was like, wow, I didn't even know he was out there. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, long, long distraction to just say what they lack on the exterior, the possible Marlon Davidson and Arnold Bacchetti, um, they have on the interior with one Grady Jarrett, who I thought at his peak was like a 90% or so of Geno Atkins, which if Geno Atkins is a Hall of Famer, that's an all pro. That's not a slight on Geno Atkins. That is a, this guy's really good when he's on. And he kind of slipped a little bit the past couple of years, but it sounds like what everything I hear um, that he's kind of playing up around that level again, and you don't want him to take over a game. So I need Alex Kappa to put together another elite, awesome performance. All right, a guy, a rookie out there on the offensive line, when you have the supporting cast around you, you do just need to do enough. We've seen the history at the guard position, honestly, since Kevin Zeitler, Clint Bowling um, have left Cincinnati. How do you feel about Cordell so far after six weeks of football? 
I think Cordell Volson, he's a rookie, but he's not playing like a fourth, late fourth round rookie. He's more so like a second round rookie where he has games and I don't know. He's not had a game much like Karras. He hasn't had a game where he dominated, but he has these solid games and sometimes he could string them together. I think the last couple weeks, they haven't been the highest level for him, but overall I think of him as he's kind of probably if I looked on paper as the guy that I think is the weak link, especially if Collins is playing well, like he was this week, but it's not, it's not a Jackson Carmen or a, a Billy Price when he was here or um, Alex Redmond, or we can go down a long list of names that were even worse, Michael Jordan. So he's not one of those guys where you could just attack him the entire game and get away with it. It's more so like he's the guy that's, he's the guy I would attack because he's a rookie and he doesn't have the experience. Once in a while, he just has these, I don't know, flubs in pass protection or in the run game that just cause you to think, ah, it's almost there. It's almost there. Just something technically or something schematically or that you didn't get a mental error, just something along those lines happened. Or when the back when they're running wide zone a lot, uh, he was a guy that wasn't really laterally um, a great athlete. So he would miss by not getting out, out, uh, side to side quick enough. So those now that that's gone, he's getting downhill more. I think all these guys work better downhill for the most part. Uh, it, that part's been good, but in pass protection, it's up and down. It's just a little shaky for me right now. And that's where I really care about it. Cause I'm like, yeah, the run game's awesome. Then it's got, you know, a lot of potential now that they're going downhill, but I need to keep uh, Joe Burrow upright. That's the number one goal. Yeah, and I think you were starting to see the rise off of the offensive line. If you were to rank kind of the performances after six weeks of football, where would you put it right now? And is it encouraging to you? Yeah, the offensive line in general has definitely risen the past couple weeks. I think this week was a good performance. Last week was a pretty good performance. It's They're churning out these good performances. So Joe Burrow's got time. I know he took three sacks this week, but two were on the running backs and these linebackers being maniacs running these cross dogs. So the Falcons, I don't think, run that as often, and they don't have the linebackers to run it that well either way. Uh, so I'm not as worried about that. I think – this is the offensive line you kind of paid for. Uh, it's not an elite unit. You don't think they're the Eagles out there being able to run for 10 yards a carry or something in a game, but they're good. And they're anywhere from solid to good, above average type of unit where this is the best offensive line that they've had in years. It's it's just, it's just a solid unit. And uh, at times it can be down a little bit when they play really, really good fronts. But when you play against the Saints, who are a good front, they still put out good performance. So I'm happy with the offensive line. I think they are finally gelling, hitting their stride, everything you want to see. There's still a little bit more room for improvement, but this is this is what they paid for. And it's so nice to see that now um, because there were a few weeks where it felt like every week we were like, is this offensive line going to get better? And it's better. Yeah. It, we should play the game when they're on prime time a week from Monday, which I'm not looking forward to on Halloween night. We should play a game, how many national people are watching it, and then say Joe takes a sack and it's his fault or it's Joe Mixon's fault, how many people blame the offensive line and still say that Joe Burrow doesn't have protection on his line. It will happen because there's going to be casuals watching that game. Uh, but the NFL, the offensive line is, I think a lot of teams would take what Cincinnati has right now. It's a problem around the league. 
it's not the greatest. Yeah, so. especially health. I think the, the they've remained healthy and played like all of the games. So that's that's a huge thing that they've been able to do. Um, I look. There's a lot of teams out there that would take this. Yeah, I, you look around the league. The Jets' defense just killed the Packers' offensive line, who were preseason, you know, one of the top ones that were being listed. So I think they would take what the Bengals were able to do on Sunday. All right. Well, we'll talk a little bit about Joe Burrow before we move on to the defense and a look around the AFC next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. You watch the tape. You see Joe Burrow. He looked like he was having fun out there. He looked like the old Joe Burrow. We talked about it on Sunday's podcast after the game, going back to Louisiana. But when you were able to sit back and see what number nine did, what did you think of his performance on Sunday? Awesome. Still, like his first A, A minus of the season. Still not an A plus, but, um, or an A really. I think it was, I think I'm sticking with A minus, but. Really good. And I think Zach Taylor did more to help him this week than he has in the past couple of weeks. They finally kind of hitting the stuff. This is what you like. So we're going to do more of this or you like this. Let's toss that in there. I don't know. There's a few concepts that they ran this week that I, either the Saints weren't prepared for or Burrow likes some more because they were hitting a lot better. And he wasn't just getting to the check down quickly because he's like, I don't like that. It just throws a check down or ends up trying to hold on to it and takes a sack. Also had those magic moments of the scramble and the extended play. When I watched the dots, by the way, on that scramble play, I thought Tyler Boyd just stood there and waited. Now he just gets decked. <laughs> he hits the ground. <laughs> so the dot doesn't move. And then he gets up. He's like, we're still going. <laughs> he gets up, Burrow throws it to him. They pick up the first down. So there's a lot to like about what he was able to do. I don't think it was just all short stuff either. Um, I don't think his average depth of target was giant, but he took calculated shots and he also attacked the, the intermediate areas a little bit. 
I feel like Honey Badger probably has nightmares about Jamar Chase. Um, he goes to another team, and then it happens again. I posted a photo from uh, Kara over at the Cincinnati Enquirer, and I didn't even realize it was Honey Badger grabbing his feet, and he totally missed Jamar. It was going to be the uh, go-ahead touchdown. And you think about the wide receiver room. I heard Jamar Chase after the game. He's mic'd up, and you can see that content over on Bengals social media, and it's pretty good, and he's confident, um, you know, just happy to get back on the other side because a lot of people were questioning, oh, they figured out Joe Burrow. They figured out Jamar Chase. He's not the same guy. Justin Jefferson's better. T. Higgins is wide receiver number one. No, T. Higgins and Jamar Chase are both great. And Jamar was told when he was doing his interview, I want to say it was either with Dan Horde or Dave Lapham in the post game. And he was told the other stats for Tyler Boyd and T Higgins. And he's like, well, was that, what did they have when it comes to catches? And just so happy that they're able to get the ball to all the playmakers out there. I mean, we see Hayden Hurst make one grab that could have been an interception and he pulls it down and gets a couple extra yards from that. Tyler Boyd, T Higgins being a part of this offense out there. T Higgins gets out of the game. Uh, Zach Taylor said healthy, um, as healthy as he could be with his lingering ankle issue. What did you think about the movement with wide receivers? Obviously the number show Jamar Chase had a great homecoming too. Yeah. Chase was awesome. And that's the guy I really think um, Taylor was using too creatively last week in the backfield running a hundred screens, all these other things that weren't working. And then this week it felt more like, okay, we're going to get him on stuff that he's on the move underneath these drags, shallow crosses, sometimes an over route. Um, they put him in the slot a lot this week, which is something people have been clamoring for. Um, it felt like more that he was almost the movement type and they're going to move him around and put him in different spots, still play outside plenty because that is where he's best. I, he's not a slot receiver. That's just to get him a few extra targets and get him on the move at his best. He's still outside running vertical, just like he was able to do and threaten vertical and then curl around and catch that game winner. And he almost had another touchdown. He had another touchdown on a vertical route. I think that was, yeah, that was from the outside. And then he almost had a third, his th almost third touchdown that Burrow ends up running in a couple plays later was another go route from the outside. So that's where he's still at his best. Honestly, you think of what you're going to face in the Falcons, and we'll get to that later. All the matchup, they can run the ball. That's a little terrifying for a tad beat up defense right now. Defensive line, defensive nose tackle, you're dealing with that injury. Don't know if DJ Reader is going to be back for the Cleveland game, but this is what you have. And maybe it's because of last year in the playoff run in last season, early on in this season. I trust Lou. I trust these guys, but we have to back it up just a little bit. There is a lot of criticism about safety Jesse Bates. People are ready to just say, move on. It's over. After the whole offseason, I heard extend baits, extend baits, move on, move on. Let's put Dax Hill out there. Let's do this. He's not playing. What's going on with Jesse Bates? Tell him the truth right now. It is so much like a relationship gone sour where you are now going, we never liked you anyway type thing. Or look at this new one. That's so much better. I, to me, Jesse Bates is still the best, safe, best safety on the team maybe uh, but i will say even if you, you don't you agree were with that, guessing that <laughs> i i think i'm gonna get backlash because von bell's had some really good games but i think if i was gonna say who's the best safety on the team i still say jesse bates mm -hmm. so i think he's the best option for them at that spot i don't think dax hill coming in is going to be better i think dax hill had a great play at the end of the game 
on a very obvious passing play where he gets to play 30 yards back and gets to run run sideline to sideline, but it's still a really, really good play. It showed his athleticism. I don't want to diminish it too much, but you also have to take in like that's not really him having to read run pass and fill the lane or, you know, a lot of that stuff. They knew what was happening and he didn't have to get over top at 20 yards. He had to get over top at like 45 yards. and He was already back there. Anyway, I think Jesse Bates is still the better option between him and Dax Hill. To me, he's still the best safety on the team. I think what he's able to do over the top, he's rangy himself. It's like we're forgetting that this guy in 2019, 2020, was like the most rangy safety in the league. And then last year, he has not the greatest season. This year, I agree with what Lou Anarumo said. He's played good, not great, not all pro, good, and he hasn't been tested much. That's really what it comes down to for me. He's not getting a bunch of pass breakups because it feels like teams haven't really tested him that much. And I think all of the fan opinion of him kind of comes into – it's a great example on the play that gets thrown between him and Logan Wilson where it felt like everybody immediately blamed Bates. And I went back and watched it, and Andy Dalton's looking left and moves Wilson and throws it where he's supposed to be while Bates is taking the second guy that's coming. And he's in a spot where he's covering a wide receiver. You can disagree with me. Wilson's not covering a wide receiver. He's just covering nothing. And to me, Dalton throws it where Wilson should be. So I was like, it's fine. Wilson's allowed to have a flub once in a while. But, you know, that wasn't on Bates. But because the fan base is so ready to pounce on the guy, they are saying, yeah, and look at that play where Bates lets up a catch. It's like he didn't let up that catch. It was another guy, but it's fine. I I think Daxel's very exciting, but I think that Jesse Bates is still the best option on this team to win games from that safety position. Uh, here's my advice. I say enjoy the ride with Jesse Bates because I know the contract stuff. A lot of people think about that and, hey, he didn't take the deal, and they kind of moved on when it comes to some of the fan base. Like you mentioned, you get the shiny new toy with Rookie and Dax Hill. Of course, he makes a great play in the game and everybody's just like, let's move on. Let's do this. Or why don't we see more of him? And I trust Lou in this situation. And Jesse Bates is fine out there. It's going to be his last year in Cincinnati. I mean, there's no other way that he's coming back. I do not believe it. And look, if he does, you can replay this tape. But I don't see that happening. I say enjoy the ride with Jesse Bates right now with this defense because I know a lot of NFL teams would like him on their roster right now. And another thing Lou talked about this week to the media was the missed tackles. It brought back so many memories of old Bengals defenses. Like, can you teach? I remember having these conversations. Can you teach how to tackle in the middle of a season? What's so hard about that? You watched the tape. Were you like, what in the world? What's going on with all the missed tackles? I think it just happens once in a while, especially when you've got Alvin Kamara's and Whoever Shaheem is, I mean, that guy made like five guys miss on his jet sweep. He had Von Bell falling down on his face. He had, um, wow. I, I think it was Apple also missed the tackle on him. It was like, oh, my, look, who is this guy? He just made everybody on the defense miss on his way to, to a touchdown. Alvin Kamara is a good guy making guys miss on these tackles. Oh, man, that one play that Taysom Hill had where Zach Carter missed a tackle in the hole, and then instead of it being a tackle for no gain, it ends up going for like 25 yards or so. It's ugh. It, there, there were some ugly plays, and they all compounded at once. I think it's just – one of those fluctuations that can happen um, to me, that's what I think is just that 
can happen when you play a team with a lot of guys that can make you miss. I don't know. Did you think at all that this was a problem for the future? There were other things I thought could be a problem for the coming weeks, but this, that specifically was something, at least with the track record, I just kind of write off and go, that's just variance. No, yeah. I, it's it. I If it was a beginning of the season thing, and we saw a little bit of that last year because you're pretty much bringing in the same roster defensively, I would be concerned. But it wasn't. And, yeah, like you mentioned, I feel like it's just kind of a one-off game. doesn't get easier with the Falcons and then Cleveland looking ahead, definitely taking one game at a time. And that's something that they're going to have to fix when it comes to injuries. I think it's, um, you know, a little questionable about who you have on your D-line and how you're going to be able to stop it because they've been 2-1 and one without DJ Reader, but his absence, is it's missed right now. Yeah, uh, that's the biggest thing. That's what I meant when I said there's other things that caused me co some concern. I think that J2 Fayette came in and he honestly, to me, was the best defensive uh, interior defensive lineman of the game. I, I thought the other guys all had at least one play where they just got dominated, washed down the field and just something you'd never want to see. They, it's, they just don't have a guy that's really good at taking on doubles. And then Tufele came in and he did a fine job at doing that. So he also still got pancaked once. And that's like, I'm talking about talking this guy up, but don't want to forget. He also wasn't perfect either. So there's the interior, just Zach Carter's a rookie. And at times he looks like it. It looks like he didn't see a double coming or it came fast on him and they're moving him. And then you look at the other guys that are playing Tupo. He's just getting older, and sometimes when they get him good, they're able to move him out of the way. And then BJ Hill, I just I want to see more because they paid him. And whenever, you know, he was so good last year that this year has been kind of a slow start for him. And I want to see him turn that around. Um, Tufele just I thought he flashed a lot. He showed strength. He showed a good anchor in the run game. Just overall, I thought that Jay Tufele is kind of like the guy that I'm looking forward to replace reader the most because he did the best job of doing something like that. So you talk about his replacement and DJ reader can come back for the Cleveland game, but I think they're going to ease him in. I don't think you throw him out there on Monday night football prime time, even though he can be activated and he's ready to go in game action. Um, I could see, I'm not sure if this will happen if it is, you know, after the bye, mid November, well, late November, by the time they come back, if he's, he's finally up there. And I think we'll get a feel when they hit practice tomorrow, if he's on the rehab field, how that's working for DJ reader. And it'd be awesome if he's, he's back out there. But if you're this team right now, do you see them making a trade for some more depth there or signing someone? I think that you could sign somebody because there's no depth for there right now. And you just don't want to see one of these big guys get hurt and continue to hurt that depth because they're trying to play too many snaps. I think if I'm trying to guess what the Bengals do, I think they just band-aid it. I think they make Cam Sample play some snaps inside. They maybe call up Kareem or Shelvin to play some snaps inside. Just, you know, let's just get through these next couple of weeks until DJ gets back and then we're fine. Um, but if it was me, I might look into the free agent. I'm not talking like a Sue. I'm talking really cheap, just a body to throw in there and not be batting like a, like a John Stallworth that nobody knows that name, but he's on the chief's practice squad. Thought he was fine for the Colts last year. Don't know. Or Taylor Stallworth. John Stallworth was a Steelers receiver way back. Hall of Fame. I was like Stallworth. Taylor Hold on. Stallworth. 
They, it's so solid. I got the first name wrong. Got the first name wrong. Yeah, that's how little we know of this guy. <laughs> He's just some Chiefs practice squatter that I think was fine when I watched him play. But Taylor Stallworth, uh, Curtis Brooks, Joe Goodberry's, uh, you know, draft crush. Maybe bring him in or something. But just to me, I just I I would feel more comfortable with one more body. But I could also see the way you make this work with the guys that you have on the roster in the practice squad, because it's not a long, long term thing. It's just the next couple of weeks you need to survive so that you can get reader back and get back to a normal rotation. Yeah, I definitely could see them just band-aiding this right now and just trying to get through the next couple of weeks getting into the bye. We'll move on. I want to look at the AFC playoff picture. A lot of talk this offseason, how loaded it was and what it means for the Cincinnati Bengals on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back. It's always game day in Cincinnati. One more thing on this defense. Logan Wilson, we talked about him on the last podcast, and you kind of know in a coach's voice when he talks about an injury and how long it could be, the optimism, and it really, they're hoping it's week to week. When you hear the word hoping it's week to week, it doesn't give me optimism that Logan Wilson's going to come back. I want to say he missed three games last year. He got injured in the Chargers game. He came back before he was fully healthy, played the whole rest of the season, injured, and then had his surgery. That is a lot to recover from. And, of course, he's getting all the opinions in the world to hopefully get back in the lineup soon. But at the moment, I'm just going to count him out for the next few weeks. And again, we won't know anything until they hit the practice field and get more updates on, on how his shoulder is feeling. It was the one that he had surgery on. So that's concerning. We've also talked about the linebacker room and how much depth they have. What does that mean if you're without Logan Wilson, who is one of the best players defensively on the team going forward? Um, you're probably not going to create as many turnovers and they're already not great in that department because he's probably their best at creating turnovers. Think of all the interceptions and even forced fumbles that he can create. Um, but I do think that this linebacker room has a lot of depth and it's solid. This is a group I wouldn't really add to unless they show that they can't handle, um, playing without him. Yeah. I, I think Pratt's a good player and he can fill in and he did a good job when Wilson was out last year and then whoever they threw in next to him last year was good now I think this is a little bit more of a challenge because you had DJ Reader eating guys up last year while this year you don't have that but until they show they can't play that way I think I would attempt to just put a Keen Davis Gaither in there who was good in Miami and specifically good in the run game because I wasn't sure about that part but he was able to stick in there and play good run defense so if you can get 
Akeem Davis, Gaither, and Jermaine Pratt to just hold down that fort until Wilson can come back. Who knows how long it is, but when somebody tweets God's plan, that's usually not a good sign. Uh, so I don't know how long it'll be, but you're hoping that he gets back here pretty soon. I just – I have confidence in this linebacker room to be at least solid. I don't know if you feel the same way. Well, we've seen bad linebacker rooms on this team for a really, really, really long time. And over the last couple of years, honestly, if you go back to the 2020 draft class, it's unbelievable what they were able to do. And when Akeem Davis-Gaither is healthy – I think he's definitely going to bring that that added depth as a starter and do big things while Logan Wilson's out. Obviously, you want Logan Wilson to return as fast as possible. But as you mentioned, when you put out a tweet like that, there's not a lot of optimism in Zach Taylor pretty much saying they're hoping it's just week to week. Um, obviously, you don't know a whole lot 24 hours after it's over. So we'll just keep an eye on that and keep everybody updated when it comes to Logan Wilson's health. We'll move on to the AFC. It's six weeks of football, so we don't know a whole lot. And I almost compared and, and kind of did over the last couple of weeks what Cincinnati, when they dropped a two and three, that it was a little reminder of what the Kansas City Chiefs did last season. A lot of people were counting them out and said, everybody's figured Patrick Mahomes out. The Chiefs aren't good. And they come back and go on a run. And they get stopped by Cincinnati on that winning streak. But you, you look at the AFC last night the Chargers and Broncos, and I want to start there. <sighs> Russ is bad. Russ is really, really bad. And if you're the Broncos defense, you are really upset because they've been able to stop offenses. And you, you would think that quarterback on the other side that you just gave a great deal to before the season started, he'd be able to do something. But I, the Broncos, are they're just bad. They're just a bad football team. Yeah, I think that the – Man. The Russ thing is just like he's on like a five-plus year deal that I don't think they can get out of for years. So if he's washed or he's not good anymore, just whatever the issue is, injuries is what you're hoping and coping with. But uh, I, to me, I, I kind of had this concern going in just because I didn't think he played well for the past year and a half before this. And it got all blamed on his finger injury that was only half, a third of that time. And I was like, there's – a full year of football I'm talking about here too. He played extremely well for half the year in, I believe that was 2020, and then played poorly the second half. Then they fired that coordinator, bringing somebody else. And he doesn't really play well, but then he gets hurt, and you can blame it all on that injury. Then he comes and he's not playing well, and I'm just kind of like, I, I don't know. I, this is what I was worried about. So that's why I wasn't too high on the Broncos this year. But their defense is really, really good, and Patrick Tan looks like a future All-Pro, maybe even this year All-Pro corner. He's doing awesome. It's just when you don't have an offense that can move the ball or anything, even with tight end extraordinaire Greg Dulcich on the team scoring a touchdown, they still weren't able to win that game. Um, sucks. Uh, that I, I'm not big on that. I think the Chargers are a good team, but they are just hampered by – to me, it's – both their defense and their offense at times. Their defense where you want to talk about the rust payment. Look at the JC Jackson Jackson one too. And he got benched at halftime. And then when they asked Staley about it, they're like, was that uh was the Hamler catch? Was that on Jackson? And he said, Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, and the Dulcich touchdown? Yeah. 
And then he gets pulled right after that. It's like, oh my, this guy is like a $20 $15 million per year corner that you're not getting out of that contract as a Chargers. It's like, ah, oh man, I thought it was the, it was the tale of two bad deals. Although Mike Dave, Michael Davis coming in for the Chargers was good. Uh, the Broncos don't have a guy to come in for Russ that I believe will be good. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're the offensive coordinator and just even the head coach for the Chargers, I don't believe in them. I truly don't. They have a good record. They're in what we thought would be a loaded division. But you look at the Raiders, you look at the Broncos, you have the Chargers who I still I don't believe in them. I truly don't. They do deal with injuries. And I know obviously with the offensive line, losing some of your guys there when it comes to protection. But at the same time, I feel like they're going to be one of those teams that misses out on, in the playoffs, maybe by one game or just doesn't make it overall when we thought maybe two teams would make it out of the AFC West and the chiefs are the chiefs. They're, they're one of the top teams in the AFC, but they still look beatable. I mean, obviously Cincinnati knows that they're going to get another shot to try to go three, zero against them with Joe Burrow at quarterback later in the season, the bills are the prediction was, was spot on right now. It's spot on. And a lot of people were right. I thought way too many people were picking them. They do kind of have the, go just have a great regular season and then lose in the divisional round, get the first round by losing the divisional round again, kind of vibe. I feel like that's going to happen to them. I don't wish that on the bills mafia, but um, I, I just, it just feels predictable. And overall you go look at the rest of the teams in their division, the New York jets. Look, look at those numbers from Zach Wilson. I'm sorry. You need to have a quarterback, even if you have talent around your team defensively. Offensively, they have weapons out there. I don't feel like they're getting the ball enough to some of their rookie star receivers. And they're, I mean, I, I get the relationship with, with Barrios, Braxton Barrios, but at the same time, Zach Wilson's a bad quarterback. <laughs> Sorry, I, don't right. I've, I don't think I've ever watched Zach Wilson, but yeah, I, I don't hear <laughs> Every time I ever, the Bengals always play Flacco or Mike White, and then I'm not grinding Jets tape. I don't know what I don't know what the people want from me. I don't have a, I don't have a Zach Wilson take. You don't. Uh, I don't think his stats look good, but I just I don't feel comfortable saying I don't I don't like it until I watch him, and I'm probably not going to. So I'm just going to continue to be Zach Wilson agnostic. So if you're Cincinnati, you look at the Baltimore Ravens. You look at the AFC North, tied right now, have the opportunity to be ahead, but that didn't happen. Three and three, six games in the books. Everybody wanted to crown Lamar Jackson with the MVP after four and a half games. He can't close. Gets 100%, 100%, 100% QBR. And then in the fourth quarter, it's like 53.5 right now. He can be stopped. If Cincinnati's offense, if they would have had T. Higgins on Sunday Night Football, I hate being that person. Like, you know, if this guy would have played, if this guy would have played, they would have had this health. But if he would have played, they'd probably beat them on Sunday Night Football. I, I wasn't really that impressed with Baltimore. Wasn't impressed with them last year. I know they were dealing with a lot of injuries. But if you're Cincinnati sitting at three and three, I know you have to take care of your own business. You can look around and say, but I thought this AFC was so loaded and everybody got all this talent because they saw what Cincinnati was able to do and they can be that team and, and make it this far and really surprise a lot of people. I'm not impressed with the AFC right now. That's what I, I'm trying to say. Yeah, they do have probably two of the three best teams in the in the Bills and Chiefs, like we talked about. But overall, yeah, it, they are lacking the teams that are just below that. Um, I think that was what was supposed to be the big one was like, 
Uh, you look at the Raiders and the Broncos and the Chargers. A lot of people have the Chargers all the way up there with those guys. And the Dolphins and uh, the Patriots are another guy you can count out. The Ravens. And then we haven't even talked about the AFC South. I guess the Jaguars. Uh, <laughs> the Colts are ahead Colts? of Cincinnati right now because of that tie. Oh, my. Uh, they'll come back to bite them. But yep. uh, Titans are fine. I don't think there's a lot of bad, bad teams. I think that does some of this. And then you look at the Dolphins and their quarterback's been hurt. Um, and then their backup's been hurt? Hurt in back, that quarterback situation. I have no quiet. idea what's going on. I think whatever, whenever Tua comes back, probably this week, um, they, they'll look more stabilized. But are they a great team? I don't know. I thought the Bengals were going to beat them even with Tua in there. So – I, I don't know. You look around, and I don't think you'd be concerned other than the two juggernauts that have been the two juggernauts for the past couple of years, and the Bengals took one of those down last year. So there is some optimism. If you're a Bengals fan, just get to the playoffs, and let's just make that magic happen again. I think you've got the right defensive coordinator, the game plan for all these guys. And when the offense is clicking, it's really good. Since week three, I believe it's like the uh, top five DVOA offense. Uh, should have that exact stat, but I don't. Sorry, I'm not a huge stat guy, but it was impressive. Uh, and it kind of fit what I think. It's just the run game, is, the past two weeks, the run game has been one of the best run games in the NFL when you look at season-long type stats. Not volume, but efficiency. So when the run game is that efficient to get these guys out of these shells that were giving them such issues, then the pass game opens up. And we've seen that this game. So when you got the pass game and the run game working on offense, and then you kind of throw out the defensive performance this week if you're being optimistic, uh, and mm-hmm. you think about when Reader comes back and Wilson's healthy, and the whole thing is going to work so much better. And I believe so too. So if the defense is going to keep working out, what well, we kept saying, top five, and not this week, but they were top five to me before that. They finally had a little uh, mishap. So if the defense performing at the top five level and the run game and the pass game are efficient, this Bengals team can take on anybody. I do think that you have to look at the Bills and Chiefs as those two are the clear cream of the crop in this conference. And then you also you have to give respect words to the Ravens beat you fair and square. So you have to also think about, you know, who knows if we can uh, if if we should be confident taking on taking on Baltimore, especially in Baltimore. And last time they faced the Chargers, the Chargers beat them. So you think, are we confident on taking the Chargers in Los Angeles? Those are good teams, but they're not teams that even when the Bengals aren't playing at their best, you you know you think you watch and you go, oh man, I hope we don't play those guys. It's more so, do you feel confident? Uh, on of them pulling out a win. I don't know if you can feel confident about the Bengals pulling out very many wins right now. I feel pretty confident about them being the Falcons, but we'll see. Uh, that's a Thursday <laughs> topic. I don't know. My whole thing is I would feel confident playing any of these teams, although if they play the Bills or Chiefs, especially in their stadiums, I might be a little bit more, if you ask me to predict it at this moment, I might pick them. But everybody else, I'd feel pretty confident the Bengals could take down. The good news is they play the Bills and the Chiefs in Cincinnati. So, those... and hopefully when they're in their stride, like full stride yeah. sprint, yeah. they're still and stumbling a little bit. That game, man, uh, that Monday night football game, January 2nd, would just be absolutely huge if it is about playoff seeding or what that looks like. But there's a lot of football left to play. And right now, you just want to get healthy and get there. I think this team's biggest opponent is 
themselves. Like I think that they get in the way and make it harder than it needs to be at a, a lot of times. And just, it sounds like coach speak, but they just got to get off the fast starts. So they're not playing from behind. That's not fun, but this offense, I mean, I would say near perfect in the second half. And if it really was the game that got the offense going when it comes to confidence, I think that's going to do wonders getting past this Falcons game. And then you need to beat the Cleveland Browns. You can't start 0-3 in your division and, and want to get to the playoffs no matter, you know, whatever NFC team you're trying to beat out there and, and you're trying to sneak into the wild card. You, you got to get those AFC games, and it's just extremely important to do that, and they would be doing that on Monday Night Football, of course, before Deshaun Watson is back on that team. So I don't know. I, I, I think it's just going to be – it's probably what everyone predicted when it comes to the two top teams. It's it's the Chiefs and the Bills, but um, it's going to be pretty fun in December and January if those games do mean something when when they come to Paycor Stadium. But, no, I'm really – I'm actually really pumped to see what the offense looks like on Sunday they'll come out and like put up 15 points or something like that but uh which would be pretty oh, difficult maybe 17 no 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 I don't believe that I'm back to my optimistic self I feel terrible that I said that before the game last or after a couple of drives last week when I said Joe seems off I mean I feel terrible to say that and then he went off and uh, just went off into Louisiana like he always does Joe's back on and even Joe's off is still better than a lot of quarterbacks out there. I mean, his, it, it, you look, you're not a stats guy. You're not a stats guy. So I'm not even going to bring this uh, up. On and off, a little bit. No, you know, I just, I'd rather if I watch to form my opinion, but I think stats can really support it and give me backing info I might need. I'm excited to talk about this game. The Falcons, the Bengals. I'm still a little nervous about this one. I hate trap game. I hate must wins. I hate it all, but they're back home and it's going to be beautiful weather. Not that that factors into anything, but it's going to be great. 80 degrees, home, sweet home. It's almost been a month. We're going to get to that preview predictions later in the week. But I know you have plenty over on your Twitter page, also on All Bengals. What is up there? Uh, by the time you're listening, hopefully there is an article on some of the offensive line improvements from this past week and the communication and Lowell Collins specifically, who finally, I think, had the game we've all been waiting for. The bodyguard. Lyle Collins. <laughs> he already had the old takes exposed to him. So I don't know. Can you old takes exposed, old takes exposed if he starts performing really, really well? Um, yeah, that's all that matters. <laughs> just keep, I don't even care. He can take the L's on social media and just keep protecting Joe Burrow and it'll be fine in the, in the Queen City. Make sure you're following along over on Bengals underscore Sands at LNDS Patterson. We'll, we'll be back later this week on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.